Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Social Contract, a Commander podcast. I'm Mike Almond, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Alex Lapp. Alex, what's up, man? Not too much, Mike. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. And today, we're going to talk about the Power Nine. Uh, yeah, you know, so it's 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 this concept that uh, you know, the most powerful crazy cards in magic and it's been something where we've gotten so many new cards. So, let's kind of talk the power 9. How about that? Let's 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 I, lots of people talk about the power 9, Alex. How can we change it? Yeah, that's boring. Uh, ooh, let's do the group hug power 9. Is there a group hug power 9? Oh, there's a group hug power 9. Where where do I where do I go to find this group hug power nine? Uh, let's just say that it's on a very special list. Oh, okay. That we have just now made out. Oh, yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is actually a topic that kind of got uh, born from our Discord server. By the way, we're going to put a link to our Discord server in the show notes. You should absolutely come check it out because there's a lot of cool conversations happening in there. Like, hey, why don't you do the social contract power nine? It's like, oh. Yeah. That sounds like an awesome idea. So, well, we're we're not just a, a group hug podcast. No, we also not. involve ourselves in other archetypes yep. like uh, stacks and, and politics. So we thought that uh, we would do this episode here, and if our listeners like what they hear, then uh, we might do other Power Nine yeah. episodes for the different archetypes. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, uh, recruiting the guest uh, to talk with you about the stacks one, um, and mm. then promptly. Uh, uh, listening to that episode once and deleting it from my memory after that. But otherwise, I'm very excited to go through this concept <laughs> with you. Um, so this isn't so much a judge's corner, but give me a little bit of background on the concept of the Power Nine. Like what I, I get, it's these crazy cards that are so notorious. But what's is that just it? Is it just they are the power nine? They are the most powerful cards? <laughs> so the power nine were nine cards that were originally printed in alpha mm -hmm. and they were reprinted in, uh, in beta and unlimited. And they weren't obviously, uh, they weren't called the power nine originally when they were printed like, oh, these are the nine big ones. These were nine cards that really stood out with their enormous power and uh, accordingly, they had a much higher price than the rest of the set. Now, at this time, a high price was like twenty to a hundred dollars. That was the most expensive. That like, oh my gosh, that card cost a hundred dollars. That was expensive back then. But today, these cards have kind of gained a mythical status. Um, almost all of them are banned in almost every format, sure. um, except for Vintage, where they're all restricted. Uh, incidentally, we do have a Power Nine card that is legal in EDH, and that's one of the ones we'll, we'll briefly talk about. But mm -hmm. for anybody who is, I guess we'll say, just now joining us, they've never heard of the Power Nine. Uh, I don't know how that's possible, but welcome. We'll list it off here. Welcome to EDH. Uh, hi, welcome, this... <laughs> welcome to EDH. Welcome to the game of magic. It is so good to have you here. Uh, the Power Nine is, of course, Ancestral Recall. Draw three cards for a mana. Uh, time Walk, where you take an extra turn for one and a blue at sorcery speed. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have the one legal card in EDH, Time Twister, which is a three mana wheel, two and a blue for a sorcery. Each player shuffles their hand and graveyard into their library and then draws seven cards 
Um, we'll get back to that one in a second here. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Moxin, which uh, of which there's one in each color, Mox Emerald, Mox Jet, Mox Pearl, Ruby, and Sapphire, uh, which are all zero-drop artifacts that tap for one mana of their respective color. And then, of course, the Big Mama Jamma, Black Lotus, same thing, zero mana artifact tap and sacrifice at three mana of any color. Um, I think everybody pretty much knew all that, Mike, but yeah. let's briefly have a sidebar here sure. and talk about Time Twister, the power nine card that is legal in Commander. And I think that if there were no such thing as the power nine, this wouldn't exactly stand out to me personally mm-hmm. as one of those cards in EDH to just wreck shop. You know, we all have those cards that people get very salty about. We have the cards that are infamous for being super powerful. Time Twister really doesn't have a reputation. Mike, talk to me. Yeah, so we, we mentioned this before. I I don't get it. Because um, as far as I'm concerned, Time Twister is it's just a... It's, it's just a, a, a really powerful wheel, but not. Yeah. You know, it, it's yeah. just... It's just a very powerful wheel. Like it, I, I guess it's good for, you know. Oh, we're gonna put your graveyard back into your deck. But other than that, I don't see why this stands out more than, you know, a bunch of the other wheel effects that are out there. So it was well, now in, in weird EDH, to see it on this list. Wheels are tempered mm-hmm. by virtue of the fact that you draw your opponent's cards. Now you and I love that, and incidentally, mm-hmm. we had Time Twister on our. Uh, list of uh, reserve list reprints that need yeah. to be reprinted. Uh, of course, all of these cards are on the reserve list and they're all phenomenally expensive. <laughs> uh, this card is, yeah, thousands and thousands of dollars. But wheels in EDH are tempered by this fact that you are drawing the entire table a fresh hand of cards and Unlike in standard competitive formats, Vintage, Legacy, um, it's banned in Legacy, so Vintage only, this card isn't really a tactical strike to attack an opponent's hand while refreshing your hand, because, for example, you could imagine that you could empty out your hand and then cast this, drop a full hand, and maybe you've done some hand attack on your opponent, you know that they have one of their win cons in hand, sure. and you wheel them. That's a very like specific control move that you're taking to attack your opponent's hand. I in guess. Case, that's not really possible yeah. other than making the entire table discard their hand, which this is not. This is actually uh, quite generous yeah. from where I'm sitting, but... You know, some people might find it too generous. Yeah, if there's not, um, if you don't have recursion, if your deck isn't something that thrives off recursion, yeah, then I mean, depending on that factor, Time Twister could be worse than you know a traditional, you know, Windfall mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Yeah, it could you be are better. Shuffling your graveyard in and your library together. Yeah, so you could draw cards out of your graveyard, but if you are a deck that has graveyard shenanigans with recursion reanimation uh this card's kind of going to hose you yeah yeah um because typically the best part about a wheel for a graveyard deck is that you discard your whole hand Mm -hmm. which is great for graveyard decks um so yeah this card kind of sticks out there's there's definitely a reason why it's legal in edh because in edh its power is not even approaching the power of the other eight cards in the power nine. 
Um, random bit of tidbit uh, trivia before we go in. Sure. Time Walk originally had different Oracle text uh, before Oracle was a thing, before Alpha was a thing, mm-hmm. back during the playtest years of Magic. Uh, Time Walk originally read that a target player loses next turn, uh, which is meant to be written in you know that sort of abbreviated newspaper headline style. Target player loses their next turn, meaning skips their next turn. But the wording was so ambiguous that playtesters uh, erroneously assumed that Time Walk made your opponent lose the game on the next turn, mm-hmm. uh, when in reality it, it was always meant to give you an extra turn and that your target opponent skips their next turn. Uh, that was just a just a fun bit of trivia. Time like Walk it. used to be believed to be even better somehow than it currently is yeah well there you go everybody the more you know i don't know if i don't know if i have to reference that we're using that uh well i I might have to delete that later but i'll probably forget anyway so that's the basis of the power nine some background Mm -hmm. some of the cards in it you know what let's get to ours let's let's talk about the social contract power nine when we're talking about group hug let's talk about the hug power nine um I'll tell you what, Alex. Yeah. I want to start because Please. I want to once and for all finally try and get this this name right on the first try. Alurin. Yeah. Fantastic. Do you know that I, I I did some I did some history uh on listening and I have screwed up saying the name of this card six times on the podcast so far. This is the first <laughs> time I've gotten it right on the first try. Um, so Aluren is a two generic green green enchantment that says any player may cast creature spells with mana value three or less without paying their mana costs and as though they had flash this sounds like a card just off face value that can absolutely be a group hug dream right? yeah this card uh, at least as it's printed Without any critical thinking about it, mm-hmm. without without context, about, <laughs> without any context, without thinking anything about what'll actually happen, reading this card sounds like you're basically tearing off a blank check and just handing it over to your opponent and saying, "Hey, go nuts! Yeah, do whatever you want." However, yeah, why is it in uh, the Power Nine then? Yeah, why is this in our group of Power Nine? Well, this card sees play in Legacy decks mm-hmm. and. It's easy to see why. This card allows a deck that is specifically prepared to include this card to pop off a million times better yep. than any other deck. Your opponent's decks might not have low-cost creatures in their hand. They may not have means to refill their hand after dumping it out of the field. They may not even be creature decks. Mm-hmm. Um, but if this card is in your deck... You are definitely running a very low to the ground creature deck, perhaps elves, mm-hmm. um, and you're able to take very high advantage of this. And for that reason, that this is ultra ultra powerful, and could in theory be ultra powerful for your opponents, but you're banking that it won't be. That's why we've included it in our power nine. Absolutely, the the value that you get off this card if you know that it exists is ridiculous. It's yeah, it is. Group hug slash one of more one of the more combo-y pieces uh, that 
I, I, I think I see on a regular basis that isn't necessarily what you would qualify as mm-hmm. a combo piece again without context. Um, this goes in every two lane deck, it goes in every deck that says when you cast a creature, draw a card, everything yep. along those lines, and it's nuts. And here it is. So, Aluren, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll we'll talk about some of the other cards in a bit here um, that kind of go with that. Uh, but let's move on to our next one. What do you got for me, Alex? Sure, Mike. Uh, this card has handily replaced Seedborn Muse in one of my group hub decks, mm-hmm. simply because, in my opinion, this is just Seedborn Muse at a discount with a better effect. Sure. But that better effect makes it far, far more dangerous. Oh, yeah. Muse. And that's Awakening mm-hmm. for one green green as an enchantment. At the beginning of each upkeep, untap all creatures and lands. Mm-hmm. That's all creatures and all lands, your opponents mm-hmm. included. Um, Seaborn uses the same thing, but it's only for you. It costs five mana instead of four. This is phenomenally powerful. I mean, when when I play this card down, the table lights up. It's it's yeah. another blank check situation. For sure. You've basically given any deck that is able to play at instant speed is basically has unlimited resources now. Any deck that uh, wants to aggressively attack with creatures and then be able to have all of those creatures left up as blockers immediately afterward. Mm-hmm. Aggressive decks get a benefit there. Basically, almost every kind of deck, decks with activated abilities in them, any deck that can spend mana at instant speed or just likes things being untapped, which uh, most decks like that, this card is its going to rev the engine. And I love seeing what happens, Mike, after this hits the field. The only decks that don't love this, that don't love it, are maybe artifact decks, but it depends on the artifact deck, and stacks decks. Those are the only. Yeah. These are the stacks only ones. Stacks would hate this. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Yeah. If you talk about a card where the main people that say, "Oh, I don't like that," are stacks decks and artifact decks, I'm probably <laughs> pretty happy about it. Um, That's a pretty good one. Let's go through all of the downsides of Awakening versus uh, Seedborn Muse. All right. You, sure. You ready? Uh, so it's not all permanents. It's just creatures. And everybody gets to do it instead of just you. Now let's talk about the benefits. It's an enchantment. So it's harder to, it's harder to get rid of. It comes at mm-hmm. its count. It means something where everybody is always trying to look around at who has what available which means yeah. that they're not looking at you. It is not nearly as much as a hate piece as Seedborn Muses. This is such a cool card. Oh, yeah. Nobody wants to remove this. This no. makes the board electric. You're right. Everybody's looking at everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it completely warps the game around itself. Yeah. This is this is one of those this is one of those cards too that it's hard to time when to remove it. Right. Because you basically have to if you want to get the most value out of this on some, if you're playing against the person who plays this card, okay, I basically have to make sure that everybody else taps out or takes all of the resources that could be a threat to me and, uh, and, and removes those. Then at the end step, get rid of that thing. So I'll untap and I'll be the only one who does so. 
that's a lot of hoops to jump through for you to be the only one who gets to untap when everybody is expecting to be able to untap on your upkeep. And then you better win that turn because you're going to be public enemy number one. Yeah, no kidding. This is such I a cool I would challenge card. any of our listeners who've run Seaborn Muse, I'm sure many of you do, and I, try I'm swapping it out with Awakening. Yeah. Try it. And it's it's awesome. First of all, it feels great to get Seaborn Muse for four mana. Yep. That just feels good. A, a, Second of all, a better the table one. is going to love it. Yes. I I have I have Seedborn Muse in two decks. Yeah. One of them, it's in there as the creature that it, it, the only creature that I'll ever tutor for because it is a deck that likes to do the untapped shenanigans a thousand different ways. The other one that I have Seedborn Muse in, I think it's there just because I like redid a precon and went, oh, this will make sense to go in there. Awakening mm-hmm. would absolutely fit it better. Absolutely. So it's we've already in, started uh, making uh, updates to decks with this. Yeah. <laughs> this would go in my Venifar deck if it were a creature. Yeah. Um, but it is in it is in KNC. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's is it in this deck? I don't think it is. Uh, but let's talk about uh, a, a card that's very near and dear to my heart. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not taking the runway. We normally alternate, but this one is all you, buddy. Go ahead. This, this one's all mine. Uh, Belbay Corrupted Observer mm-hmm. is uh, a legendary creature, Phyrexian Zombie Elf, uh, for black and green, two mana for a 2-2. At the beginning of each player's post-combat main phase, that player adds colorless, colorless for each of your opponents who lost life this turn. Mike, the moment that I saw this card, I knew that I had to make a deck yep. based around it. And for for our listeners, let's remind them, it is rare for you to have a commander come out that speaks to you so like strongly that you're like, yeah. oh, I'm making this deck. Oh, sure. I make like one deck a year. Right. <laughs> and and this one this one was very much at the forefront. Yeah, this this card spoke to me immediately. Uh, let's talk about how powerful this is. Yeah. Now, the reason why most people like it is because you can cause your opponents to lose life on your turn, mm-hmm. and then on your second main phase, you'll generate ridiculous amounts as much mana as opponents yeah. that you have. Yeah. Um, what I like, and what I've done in my deck, is that I've included lots of instant speed effects that cause life loss to the table, uh, tap effects, attack effects, uh, many different kinds of effects that can just cause instant speed life loss because life loss and instant speed with Belbay is effectively donating mana to yep. the active player. And being able to donate an arbitrary amount of mana to a player, politically speaking, is tantalizing, oh, frankly. For sure. um, this deck is not perfected yet. Um, so we haven't done a deck tech on it and, and it'll probably take a very long time to yeah. get it to a place where I'm very comfortable with it. But it is extremely powerful um, just being able to throw that amount of mana around. People want the mana. People want to attack into each other to get the mana. It's just great, Mike. So you said all of the reasons why us as the Social Contract Podcast love this card, yeah. right? It, it's group hug. It's good interaction to donate mana. It it speeds things up. Battle cruiser magic is available. That all the good stuff, all the things that are fun. 
the reason why it was one of those like, oh, this is a Power 9 group hug card is because if you want to go mean with this thing, there's not a lot of cards in Magic that say, pay two mana, give yourself six mana every turn after that. And this can be one of them. This is it's it's so insane to be able to just generate such an explosion of value. And I mean, heck, to the point where um, Kyle Hill, a big match. He's so he's so incredibly. I watch all those videos of it all. Shout out to Kyle. There's no way he's listening. No, but <laughs> um, they he was on. I hate your deck. Uh, and yeah. he played Belbe. And it was one of those times where just knowing his reputation, I just sat there and went, oh, no, I don't know what he's going to play with this deck. I don't know if he's going huge creature Eldrazi. I don't go if he's going, you know, infinite life loss chain. I don't know what he's going to make with this, but it's going to be ridiculously power. And that's the point. This card can go in a bunch of different directions because it's just a ton of value and extremely powerful, but it is group hug. It is available for everybody. You're just going to be able to play it better. And that's, this is that's why she's here. Just such a strange beast. I imagine Belbe, at least in my eyes, would remain viable as a three drop and even as a four drop. Right. Because you can make back that meta so easily yeah so quickly on the same turn on the same turn that you play her you can get the meta yep because it's not an activated ability it's she a triggered ability she effectively can cost you minus two so <laughs> like you, minus four if you play a one drop <laughs> creature and then play bell by the following turn and then mm -hmm. swing in you will immediately get bell bay's mana cost back yep. and cover this meta on turn two real easy um two more things one yeah uh, real small. Nothing makes me happier than a card that gives me an excuse to play a silly card. And we talked about this when it first came out. I was super thrilled at Belbe. A, because group hug, all that fun stuff. Nothing made me happier than the fact that I went, this is a card that actually gives me a reason to run Triskaidekaphobia. And and it, it just it just makes me happy when I get to do something like that. Second of I all, think I have Triskaidekaphobia in there. I I I think you were on the like oh yeah yeah that is good <laughs> and and it made me very happy. Um, the other part is I love the flavor text of Bell Bay because it leans into the spikier version of the card. Those who wish to become Evan Carr must first cast off the shackles of compassion and. We're putting it in here, and you like it as much as you do, and you've built the deck around instant speed effects to donate around mana compassion. to the compassion yeah. part. And it's just, aw, you're, yeah. you're such a good guy. Um, oh, speaking of uh, giving people benefit, uh, whether they want it or not, let's move on to our next card here. Forced Fruition. Four, gen uh, four generic and two blue. For an enchantment that says, whenever an opponent casts a spell, that player draws seven cards. So, this isn't the normal group hug because you're hugging everybody but yourself. This is this is just opponents. Yeah. Here you go, everybody. Have a bunch of stuff. Well, this isn't meant to be group hug at all. This no, is meant to be <laughs> uh, effectively the 
game winner for a mill deck. Yep. Even in EDH, where you would think, oh, well, I have 100 cards. You're going to have to mill 60 or 70 of them Hmm. for each player. Like, Force Fruition, it has to be more group huggy and commander. Yeah. It's so funny. Everybody, it's like Midas's curse. Everyone thinks they want it, but they don't want it. How many spells does somebody have to cast usually before they go through the absolute change? And Midas's curse is such a good metaphor here. Thank you. Because I, I think the number is three. I think after you get yeah. to about three, three, three triggers of forced fruition, well, that's when, this oh no, poor intuition. They're like, oh well, I'm drawing seven cards. I'll just cast them before they realize that. They're gaining cards six times as fast as they can cast them. Yep. And it gets worse every time they try. Yep. It's, it is one of those cards that you were talking in mill decks and you're absolutely right in mill decks. This is the win con or it is a win con. Yeah. I love putting, putting this in just about any group hug deck I have that'll accept it. Because now I have a win con, even if I'm not trying to mill people out for the most part. Pretty much. And yeah. it's it'll just passively mill people out. It's nuts. It's and absolutely nuts. We have to like people will look at this and say, Oh, you're not gonna mill people. They'll just stop casting spells. Oh. Well, if, that's such a bad downside. I, they'll I, stop casting spells. By the way, if anybody had that thought, we we, we need to have a uh <laughs> we need we need to have a, a have commander a intervention we need i was going to yeah. say intervention and you're talking about threat assessment like there has to be some kind of hey let's have a conversation here buddy um hey, buddy. wow well, for fruition you don't want it no it's yeah it's it's one of those cards that the first time i saw it played on the table it wasn't by me obviously because then i would have seen mm-hmm. it before but i saw it played and I was proud of myself because my threat assessment literally went, oh, that's cool. Oh. And that was it. I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't first spell that I cast. And I'm like, this is awesome. It was, oh no. <laughs> that is going to be a Mike's, problem. Mike's clever. He didn't let himself be blinded by greed, which I, is exactly, this really plays into players who get greedy. Yeah. When you have greedy people at your table, they want to cast these spells. They're like, oh, I can afford to draw 40 or 50 cards. Uh, and then they realize that unless they want to lose, they can only cast three more spells for the rest of the game. Yeah. Uh, yikes. It, it's it's such a good card. It's so silly. And I think, honestly, I am a greedy person when it comes to Commander. It's just that my greed is all based off of ramp. So this one didn't speak right. to me as much. Um but I get it. So let's talk about how do we put this? How about how about it's a more into the actual nature of group hug. And it's a little bit less scary, but it's so oh, chef's kiss. It's so good. It's one that we've talked about a lot. It's not our favorite group hug card. But it's probably what I would say is like the one of the second or it, it's a top five card we've mentioned. Why don't you tell me about it? Sure. Uh, Hardwood Storyteller. Yeah. This, this is. How do I even put it into words? This card is so good. Mm-hmm. 
in every way. Let's read it. Heartwood Storyteller, one green, green, three mana for a creature tree folk, two, three. Whenever a player casts a non-creature spell, each of that player's opponents may draw a card. So simple, so cheap on the mana cost. Hmm? You don't really think very much of it. You're like, oh, well, people will draw a few cards off of this. It'll be nice to just get some card draw on the table. Mike, I have never once in my life played this and had the table draw fewer than 20, 30, 40, 50 cards. Collectively, yeah. Every time yeah. the table is just going to draw everything. Right. It's, I was going to say, it's like, it's almost like a Ristic study or Mystic Remora for the table. But it's not, obviously. There, there's different stipulations between the two. But it sure. is that effect of, oh, yeah, I'm going to cast a non-creature spell. Great. Three cards are drawn. Yeah. Every time. There, there's, it, it's not even a mean card. It's because not. it's a May ability. And People uh, don't stop casting spells over this. Nope. People don't remove this ever. Nope. Nobody ever removes this. It's... I it's such a good card and I'm glad that it got a reprint. I'm glad that it's on the list now too. It's it's one of those things that even if you're not running a group hug deck, if that's not the theme, this is still a card that should enter into the conversation for green decks, especially if you're a creature based deck. Like it's it's such a simple low it has such a high floor because it is a two, three creature for three that is almost certainly going to replace itself at least before your next turn, if not multiple times over. And I love it. I love it so much. It's in my Vanifar deck, of course, mm-hmm. uh, which is an all creature deck. So I'm always getting the most out of that deal. For sure. Um, I agree with you. I'm glad they reprinted it. This card used to be something like $17. It's now 60 cents. Uh, which is quite the price drop. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into prices when we go through our entire list here because I think there's something okay. that's pretty interesting. For those keeping track, uh, we're counting Force Fruition and Heartwood Storyteller in the same slot yep. because they both do something very similar. Draw an inordinate number of cards. Yep. So this is this is slot, let's see, one, two, three. This is slot four, both of these cards. Um, so how about we move on to our fifth card here, Helm of Awakening. So this is one that it, it's another one of those times where I'm going to show my my knowledge gaps in magic because I've heard of it, but I couldn't picture the card. And then I realized why I couldn't picture the card because it just does this very, very, very simple thing. Helm of Awakening is a two mana artifact that says spells cost one generic less to cast. That's the entirety of the card. And first of all, if you want to talk about a group hug card, I don't think there is something more group hug than cheap card that gives everybody a global effect that is only going to benefit. Yeah, chef's kiss. This is the Ur group hug mana rock. Yep. It's, I mean, what what do you even say about this card? It's the total amount of mana that's going to be reduced over the entire game. Mm -hmm. It's one for every spell that has a generic... Uh, part of its cost, which mm-hmm. is almost every spell. Very few spells are colored mana only. So, say 90% of all spells 
how many spells you're going to cast in a game. It's one mana for each of them. That's many tens of mana just not needing to be used. Mm -hmm. That's mana that can be used in other things. In the same vein that Ristic Study slowly saps the mana from your opponents Mm -hmm. by making them lose a mana every turn, this does the exact opposite. It gives a tiny bit of value with every spell. This card is quite popular in uh, competitive EDH. Yeah, and th- that's it used to be. That's what I was actually going to bring up because yeah. when when we were talking about making our list and you know what are honorable mentions, what are some cards that may or may not belong here, and you brought this up, I was doing the thing where I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it played very recently, so I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly what it is. And then literally as I was pulling it up on my phone is when you messaged me. Yeah, that card, it also sees some CEDH play. And I was like, wait, which? Oh, of course it does. Because CEDH is all about going as fast as possible, as powerful as possible. How this is not in just about every artifact deck that exists, I will never understand. I, I, like, well, people have a phobia of giving their opponents value for some reason. We've had episodes about that, but Mike's right. The more powerful your deck is, the more powerful this card becomes because the lower the mana cost, the more impactful it is to reduce that mana cost. If the mana cost is three, you're taking off one third of its mana. If it's two, you're taking off half of the mana. And if it's one, you're making it free. Yeah. This is a free so one drop mana rocks are now zero drop mana rocks, which is unfathomably powerful. I, it's turning mana rocks so into good. moxin. It's it's so good. And again, we'll get to this. I this is one of those cards that I I saw the effect. I saw that it's only been essentially printed twice and went, oh, well, I'm I'm sure it's a more expensive card than not. It's like five, six bucks. Yeah, first printed visions, six dollars. It was reprinted mystery boosters. This card, I mean, yeah, it sees playing CDH because they understand the raw value mm-hmm. of taking thirty percent, fifty percent, one hundred percent of the mana cost off of a spell. This can but be it, those turn two, play this card, turn three, win the game because I combo off kind of things. And yeah, that's why cedh would play it it's hey if i get to keep this card to my next turn yeah you're all going to get a discount on your turns but if i get to my next turn i think i win so good um let's let's go ahead and move on here we're going to talk about another commander um one that maybe a lot of people wouldn't consider group hug at first look but you know they're they're not as kind as us maybe um why don't we talk about kenrith here tell me more about kenrith because i like being able to read cards that have not a lot of text and now it's your turn yeah that's fair uh kenrith (laughs) the return king for four and a white that's five mana for a five five legendary creature human noble and he has five activated abilities ready here we go for red one mana all creatures gain trample and haste until end of turn for one and a green put Mm -hmm. a Plus one, plus one counter on target creature. For two and a white, target player gains five life. For three and a blue, target player draws a card. 
And finally, for four and a black, put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under its owner's control. Mm -hmm. Now, those are five very different and interesting abilities. But what's important about them and why this card is on this list is that any of those effects, uh, except for the red one, which automatically affects everything. Yeah. These effects can target your own stuff or your opponent's stuff. Yep. And this makes Kenrith an extremely political card. However, uh-huh. when Kenrith comes down, you don't think, oh, what an interesting commander for a politics deck. <laughs> Maybe he'll you give think, me five life. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what a savings. Um yeah, and that and that plays into the other point here is that yeah. uh, all of the abilities on him, uh, except for the red one, really. That red one's great value, but I think it's uh, it's meant to be tempered by the fact that it's symmetric. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the abilities on here are, I would say, pretty overcosted, and that's for a reason. Yeah, because this card is not meant to be uh, a political. Oh, take a, a gift from your noble king. So he, it's not meant to be that kind of deck. It's meant to be a deck with yes. combos. Here is my counter. I think outside of the target player draws a card for three generic and a blue. I'm actually good with the cost of everything on the card. You're good with two and a white for target player gains five life. I am because nothing would make me sadder than if somebody can generate two mana and give themselves infinite life. I like when the problem with Kenrith and why he is the card that most people see him to be, including us, where it's there's no tap symbols. So it is the it is arguous, arguably the best mana sink that you can find because staff of domination, the guy. Yeah. And I'm okay with repeatable reanimation. If it's if it's five mana and it's repeatable, okay, I'm fine with that. At instant speed, sure. Repeatable, put plus one, plus one counters on creatures, fine. Repeatable, gain five life, okay, I'm fine with it. Four mana for drawing a card is admittedly not great. I think if any of the, I think if these abilities cost less, the point would be the Kenrith is, oh, hey, this is a really, really, really powerful card. I think they I think they all have to be kind of where they're priced to even make this card not absolutely busted instead of just, you know, busted adjacent. Well, that's really my point. Mm-hmm. The abilities being the costs that they are, whether you feel that they are fairly costed or overcosted. Mm-hmm basically means that the only way to generate consistent value out of him is to go infinite, um, which is clearly what the card was designed to be. Yes, this is this so, is a combo-y card. All of them. Right. So I'm not saying the card is overpowered or underpowered. Oh, sure, sure, spell. sure. What I'm saying is that I wish that the <laughs> abilities were costed lower because then that would open him up as a more political commander where I could uh, pay multiple favors throughout players' turns uh, rather than it's like, well, I gave someone a card for four mana. That's all I'm doing this turn. Right. <laughs> Feldegriff, this is not when it comes yeah, to Feldegriff the... <laughs> is one card for one mana. Yep. That's a better rate. Yep. 
Um, it Kenrith is on this list because again, it is group hug in in the ability very that it so. is very much how you decide to play. Like you said, with the exception of the red ability where it affects all creatures, you target this how you see fit. Whether or not anybody ever does so is a completely different story. <laughs> yeah, most people are going to be using it on themselves. Yeah. For the vast majority of them. Um, <laughs> for for comboy reasons. Yeah. If you have uh, very expensive, very powerful training grounds, uh, the blue artifact that reduces the cost of activated abilities by two, this becomes a much more palatable commander for me. However, that card is... Uh, $30 when I checked, and that was mm-hmm. probably a couple of years ago at this point. Um, there are cards that can make this more palatable. Let's oh, go sure. ahead and, and move on to the other powerful thing in Commander. We've done cheating <laughs> things out of the battlefield. People love that. We've done reducing mana cost to zero. People We've love that. Drawing an absurd number of cards for very little or no mana. People love that too. We've done. Uh, creating an arbitrary amount of mana very quickly. Mm-hmm. And we've done reducing the cost of spells down to nothing. And now we've done combo payoff. But what else is powerful? Tutors tutors are very powerful. And the most powerful group hug cards would have to include some group hug tutors. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of them. Why don't I talk about this one, Mike, and you can talk about the next one? Absolutely. This uh, is this is a card I found from you. You this is this much like Bell Day. Okay. This is very Great. much a I'll clear I'll clear the runway for you, bud. Sure. Uh my tutor, uh, and again, this is both cards in the same slot for this one. Noble Benefactor is two and a blue for a creature human player two two. Noble Benefactor dies. Each player may search their library for a card and put that card into their hand. And then they'll shuffle. Um, this is so, so powerful. Yeah. Absolutely. We talk about this all the time. Most games, games where players aren't winning out of nowhere, there is a calm before the storm. There's the final turn where a player has lethal on board, a player has their combo on board. They're going to win. A hundred percent they're going to win unless someone finds an answer. So everyone's spending all their resources, sacking all their permanents, tapping all their mana. They're trying to find answers. Tutors are a way to do that. Yep. But what is better than a tutor? How about a tutor that finds everyone's best answer? Uh-huh. Now we can really shut them down. What do you think, Mike? So I here's my thing. Enter the battlefield effects are always extremely powerful because you have so much control. It's there. You play it. Something cool is going to happen, right? I have gotten to the point where death triggers, I've noticed them find their way into more and more of my decks. And I don't play a ton of board wipe effects or targeted removal. Like I, I, I play battle cruisery stuff. I just want all of the cool stuff to happen. And right. the value of... Death triggers has again. It, it maybe it's just me getting better at the game. Maybe it's just because it I'm value addicted and well, there's a lot of value and I have a thing now. I don't have mm-hmm. a thing, but it's going to become a thing. Haha. Noble benefactor is such a fun card for that effect because 
a lot like Veteran Explorer, which we'll go into more depth in, in a little bit of uh, time here. The idea of, I have a thing out here. Does anybody want to kill it? Because it's going to help everyone. You're talking about when, oh, somebody's going to win, so we have to dig for an answer. My favorite part about Noble Benefactor is that person can find a way to stop somebody from taking the win away from them. Mm-hmm. But are they going to be able to find three things to take away? <laughs> it's doubtful. It's, it's unlikely. It, it is such a low-cost, high-upside card that it, it just makes me happy every time. Yeah. This card is just delightful when people do the double take. Uh, you put it down, everyone's like, wait, everyone searches for a card yep. and they put it into their hand. Yep. And we also don't have to reveal what it was. Nope. Here you go, everybody. Go get, you don't even have to get the best card in your deck. Just get the best card for right now. Be fine. Exactly. The amount of times that I've played Noble Benefactor and just been like, eh, you know, I, I, I just, I just kind of want to have a fun game here. The amount of times that I've put Noble Benefactor out and then the card that I get is a soul ring. For something where I'm just like, eh, I just want to get some value. It'll be right. fun for everybody. I'm not worried about it. It's such a cool card. You are literally the noble benefactor for the table. You are donating exactly. to everybody's cause. And I love it. Now, Mike, another more recent card mm-hmm. came out uh, a little over a year ago here that immediately made a lot of people sit upright and pay attention. Yep. Tell me about this one. So... Maybe you don't want everybody to be able to tutor for a <laughs> But listen, we play magic for a lot of reasons. I think one of the reasons we play is because we enjoy time with our friends and making new friends. So this is a card that makes friends. Scheming Symmetry, one black mana for a sorcery that says choose two target players. Each of them searches their library for a card then shuffles their library and puts that card on top of it. It is so simple, so chill, so politically beautiful. And of course it's a group hug card. You are This is the coolest tutor I've seen in years. Good. It's it's one it's one mana to tutor two cards and make a friend for the entire game. It, it, I love I love so much when the flavor text of a card fits perfect. Scheming symmetry flavor text. One for you, one for me. What could be more fair? So good! <laughs> I love the art too. Seb McKinnon. Yep. Uh, we all love Seb McKinnon. Everyone loves Seb McKinnon. But this is just so perfect because it's evocative of the playing card with the symmetric uh, imagery of always a uh, royalty stabbing themselves or mm. stabbing another royalty. And, yeah. Uh, it, that's clearly what he was going for here, and it's perfect. It's just two noble people smiling uh, at each other while holding a knife, a knife yep. at their throat. Yep. yep. And it, it's so it, it intertwined. It's it's so great. And I think, I think one of the reasons that I was excited to do a Power Nine of Group Hug specifically with you is because. A lot of these cards are group hug, but they also kind of fly in the face of what I play group hug for, right? It's, oh my gosh, Kenrith is so ridiculously powerful. 
Alluren is so ridiculously powerful. It's it's these these oh my, and they can go on a bunch of different things. Scheming Symmetry is one of those cards that if I'm playing black, I don't have a reason not to play this card. Just the oh, way that I there. play, yeah, because. You're you're not talking about a demonic tutor or something where it's like right. a ridiculous this, cost. This is a no guilt tutor. No guilt tutor, and it's like five bucks. Yeah, that's it's it's so good. It's not an extremely expensive card, both in actual purchase price and in mana cost. Yeah, and it's this card it is makes it hand. it makes the game so fun. Just what a delight! You can find the piece that makes your deck turn. Mm-hmm. It's probably skull clamp let's be honest and just put it on top of your library you draw next yeah. turn or uh, heck i i've played scheming symmetry and done the same thing where i did it with noble benefactor and i'm like hey who wants to go get their soul ring okay well, not me because i don't play soul ring but that's and that's totally reasonable but that's what i offer it's a hey i'm gonna play this i'm gonna go get this card what are you going to get? And I'll ask people. And depending on what people say they're going to get, and I trust them, what are you going to get? Okay, that's the least scary thing to me. I'm happy to let you get that. And I'll go get whatever thing I was going to get. I love those kind of conversations, you know? Absolutely. Good tutors. Good tutors. Uh, let's, let's talk about something that isn't necessarily a tutor. But you are absolutely going to go digging, and it's it's close. It is. Um, it's 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 tutor adjacent. Also, when I'm looking at the Scryfall list here that we've got pulled up, mm-hmm. the only card that has a ban mm-hmm. on it, um, which is kind of surprising. Oath of Druids. Talk to me about Oath of Druids. Oath of Druids is an enchantment for one and a green, two mana. That says, at the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player chooses target player who controls more creatures than they do and is their opponents. The first player may reveal cards from the top of their library until they reveal a creature card. Mm-hmm. If the first player does, that player puts that card onto the battlefield and all other cards revealed this way into their graveyard. And as Mike said, this card is banned in Legacy. Yeah. So it is only legal in Vintage and Commander. That's right. And it is a card that I feel like I go through this once, maybe twice a year with Oath of Druids and a couple of other cards where I see it, I remember it exists, and I think about five decks that I should put it in, (laughs) and then I forget to. You know, Mike, this is in the same cycle as uh, one of your pet cards, Oath of Lieges. Yes. Yes, it is. It's 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 the oaths, and that's part of why I remember that it exists. Because <laughs> it's like, wait a second, this is such a cool card. It's not my favorite of the oaths, but it does something so cool. It is literally. Does anybody have more creatures than me? Great, I'm gonna get a creature. For yeah, the table. this is another one of those cards, quite like a Lurin. Uh, it's in theory giving an immense amount of power to the table. Mm-hmm. However, uh, typically if you are running this, you have built your deck in such a way that you have a very small number of creatures and the creatures that you do have, probably very expensive, yep. are 
easily found by revealing cards and go smack onto the battlefield. That's why this card's banned in Legacy. Yeah. Um, you just only have the creatures that you want to cheat out, have very few of them. Oath of Druids will find them immediately, and you'll win the game. Pretty much. Um, but for us, this is a lovely opportunity. Like the best group hug cards, this takes a player's deck that may not be perfectly optimized. Mm -hmm. They may not even have a theme for the deck, but it's going to find a creature. Specifically, it's going to find a creature for the player that doesn't have enough creatures yet. Right. And it's going to get it right onto the battlefield and get their game started right away. The other factor with this too is when we talk about the reasons that we love group hug, I, I'd say 90% of the reasons that we play group hug and why we like group hug is because of the interaction with the table and their interesting effects that you don't get in more of the other themes. The reason that I like this card as much as I do, and the reason that I think it belongs on the power nine, it has a very powerful effect. That's absolutely true. It's a two mana enchantment mm -hmm. that says, oh, this player played a mana dork before me, and I don't have any creatures yet. Let's go see in my deck which creature card comes up first. I love cards that do stuff like that, where I had a game where I played Oath of Druids, and the next player had one fewer creature than the person with the most. And they're like, okay, cool, let's see if we can get a piece to even everything out. And then they got mad because they got an Avenger of Zendikar. Can you imagine being in a position where you flip an Avenger of Zendikar and that's not fun for you? <laughs> he made that's, seven that's plants and he went, I'm never going to get to trigger this thing ever again. Oh, no. And the rest of us are just thrilled. Like, this is, oh, great. Yeah. Hey, okay. I don't have to worry about this for a while. Awesome. Hey. If so, if he decides to blow up my oath of uh, oath of druids, you're gonna counter it, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's such a powerful card. There is a yeah. little chaos to it for sure, mm -hmm. but this is such a good group hug card, and it another one of those. If you build around it, and you know it's coming, the amount of value you get. Well, heck, you you said it yourself. It's the reason why it's banned in Legacy. Yeah, Mike, I just love these group hug cards that just have explosive amounts of table value. You're just throwing around dynamite, handing it to other people, lighting yep. it on fire. You're you're seeing what people can do when given a lot of power, and it's not costing you a lot of resources to do it. Yep. Let's speaking of, you know, giving a lot of value and explosion oh, put things on go. the table. So this is gonna be a this is going to be an episode where I, I hate to say it, Alex, I'm going to make you do a lot of talking and reading the cards, but it's because yep. you are the advocate for a lot of these cards being something that I'm aware of, but more importantly, because I want to give you as much opportunity to champion in one of your causes here. Um, talk to me about Tempting Worm. Like Tempting Worm, we talk about Dynamite, Tempting Worm is a nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. For one and a green, Creature Worm, 5-5, five, five, that's two mana. When Tempting Worm enters the battlefield, each opponent may put any number of artifact, creature, enchantment, 
and or land cards from their hand onto the battlefield. Mike, what do you even say about this? This card is a two mana. I, what do you even call it? A, a fire drill? You could call it setting off a bomb. I mean, what this? This is so so impactful <laughs> immediately for two mana. Unlike yep. noble benefactor, okay, it's really good, but you know it has to die. Um, Oath of Druids, yeah, it's really strong, but it's only happening on each player's upkeep. And if there's a circumstance where they don't right. have, there, there's more hoops for every. Right. This is Tempting two mana. Worm. Everybody else, empty your hands except for sorcery. Two mana. Instance. Everyone's hands enter the battlefield, and everything just goes nuts. My favorite time to play this card, Mike, is mm-hmm. at the very end of the game when somebody has lethal on board. This situation where your people are looking for answers. We mentioned it earlier in the podcast, mm-hmm. and we really need to shake stuff up. And you'd be saying, well, Alex, that doesn't make any sense because then you're giving the player who's going to win even more resources. They were already going to win. Yeah. When, I don't care if they put more stuff on the board. They're already going to win. I want to see what everyone else can put on the board. When everybody has a lot of stuff, the person who has more stuff has less of a percentage over everybody else. Yeah, so exactly. If, well put. Yeah, if you can get in an arms race, you can literally just even the playing field by giving everybody a bunch of things. Yeah, you're going to put somebody else further ahead. Or you're going to put somebody else further ahead than they were. But you're not necessarily going to put them further ahead of the table. I, I love this. I love Tempting Worm. It is one of those cards that when we talk, you know, powerful group hug, the value, mm. it, it is easily one of it. I don't know if it's the most powerful in terms of value card that we have on this list, but you can easily argue it. You could argue it's the splashiest card on the list. Oh, for sure. Because with all the other cards, uh, Typically, you're waiting for things to start happening on each player's turn mm-hmm. with triggers. Things happen explosively, but people have to do things first. With Tempting Worm, it just happens right away. And I mean, let's let's yeah. talk about what Tempting Worm even is. Because we're looking at this, and you and I just see an explosive group hug card. Yeah. But when this was printed back in Onslaught, Rupug wasn't a thing. EDH wasn't a thing. No. Um, wanting to give your opponent's value was was not a thing. So when this was printed, that effect of having your opponents dump their hands was the downside for getting the extremely high value of a two mana five five with no evasion. Mm-hmm. Which you know is kind of funny to think about today. I think if they printed a two mana five five today, it would be considered pretty good. Yeah, but but if there wasn't anything else on it, it would just be yeah, a. Yeah, if there wasn't huh, anything else on it, yeah. that's an outlier. Like, huh. Weird. Uh, so they made that a little more powerful than usual. Yeah. Whereas, uh, outside of our context, with this being a powerful group butt card uh, in a competitive format, this is like the worst downside imaginable. Oh, for sure. And here's the thing: like that, all of that aside, right? My favorite deck. I, I don't play Tempting Worm a lot, despite me loving group hug. I don't play it a lot. <laughs> the the one time that I put it into a deck, I put it into a blink deck because I thought it would be hilarious. 
And it was. That's silly. <laughs> it, it was because it's one of those. Okay, great. Everybody put stuff down. It's going to be great. All right. We're drawing a bunch of cards. We're doing a bunch of stuff. You know what? I'm going to make tempting worm leave and come back. All right. Everybody put down a bunch of stuff. I, I, and then my cast insurrection. Here's the thing. I am, I am the person that I wish I loved. I wish I loved blowing up the board more. I wish I loved stealing other people's stuff more because tempting worm is such a cool card for that kind of ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't, you know what I mean? Like I, I it, it is extremely powerful. It is extremely good for getting as many resources all available all at once let really us let's up. let's speed this game up kind of let's stuff. end this game right now and i dig it but i don't run it as much as i probably could yeah i'm gonna have to look into it because it is it is i mean now i have to run it because it's part of our power nine like it has mm-hmm. to I, I have to use it you know oh yeah otherwise what am i saying about the brand <laughs> about the brand um, All right, Mike. So that's that's yeah. our power nine. I wanted to and... I wanted to go into one thing with this bef- yeah, yeah. Bef- uh, because part of what I was excited about, right? And I knew this was absolutely going to be something uh, when we we're talking about essentially this entire show topic. Even though the actual magic power nine, all these cards, there's there's very few of them that we can play in most formats, let alone just ours for EDH. There's one card that we can play, right? All of those cards, yes, because they haven't been reprinted, but also they are so dang expensive. They are such valuable and pricey cards, right? Yeah. I was super excited to go through this and go, okay, Group hug-wise, the most powerful group hug cards that we come up with are Power 9. Alluring, yeah, it's going to throw it off because that's an expensive card. We have two cards on this entire list after that. No, including that. We have two cards on this entire list that are 10 bucks, And one of them is $100 with, from Alluren. Everything else is like 5 bucks or less. Because the amount of value that you get from group hug, it just it, it just doesn't translate. I guess it people, scares people. People don't want to do it, so people it's just are afraid of the power. Uh, they don't know what they wield. They don't understand just how powerful giving power away yeah. can be. And even 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 the other card in here that's ten bu- uh, the other card that's expensive is force fruition, which is a mill card. <laughs> like yeah, it's. Yeah, it's group hug. You're giving value to your opponents. A little too much value, really. But it's a milk card. So I don't it's it, yeah. it it makes me very happy that we love group hug because of all of the reasons we love group hug. And guess what? Building a group hug deck can be pretty cost effective. You can find value in giving other people value. The social yeah. contract. Uh, um but yeah, that's just something I wanted I wanted to point out before uh before we moved forward here. There's a bunch of cards that we've referenced a thousand times. You you mentioned it yourself, Oath of Lieges is a good yeah. card, but it's not necessarily this level of power. No. You know what I mean? Uh Veteran Explorer is one that we both talked a thousand times over. 
about mm-hmm. like it should be in here, but it can't be in here. It's not. It's it's good, and we love it, but it's not. It's it's not power nine. Yeah, Soul Ring isn't in isn't in the power nine exactly, right? and that's and, and it's, Explorer is Soul Ring. Yep. So, uh, uh, Edric, uh, absolutely gangbusters Ooh, commander um, that we didn't put in here. Uh, you can do the mana flare type card, things like that. Um, but that's those are all near the top. And frankly, they're a bunch of cards that if people listen to us, they definitely know what we're talking about. And even if they don't, like people know what mana flare is. You know, it, it this is this is our power nine. And I, I was super, super excited to go through it with you. Absolutely, Mike. Um hopefully our listeners enjoyed this uh group hub power nine list. Yeah. If they did, they can let, let us, us know. know. And uh, and maybe we'll do some more. But Mike, I actually do have a surprise segment here. Oh sure. Um, as you may or may not know, I am an employee of EDHREC.com. I've, I've heard said. A, you've heard said. Yeah. <laughs> we have a uh, new feature that will be coming out soon. But before it does, we wanted to get some feedback from a select few people, and I have been uh, authorized to allow our listeners to avail themselves uh, of this new test feature as long as they don't uh, spread it around everywhere online. Uh, and we'll be <laughs> revealing it uh, probably by the time you listen to this within a few days or within the week. So okay. it's not it's not like a super secret thing, but it's secret this is really enough. access. Very few people know about this right now, right? Okay. At the time of this air. All right. So if it means have... anything, I don't know about it. Like when we're talking about, uh, yeah, you know, secret, secret, uh, secret, secret insert secret. segment, I, I am, I, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm excited. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. So Mike, you remembered that we did an episode uh, a couple of months ago about salt score. Yeah. And uh, how certain cards make people salty. We had a list of our saltiest cards. We know that edhrec.com has a list of the saltiest cards as voted upon by people. But um, previously that voting was done on an annual basis and it was sort of by submission. Okay. We have a much more fun way to participate in that now. We have a way that people can be fed cards and tell us how salty each card makes them. And this site will just be available all the time. Okay. And you'll be able to vote on all sorts of different cards to say how salty they make you. And we even have a counter to show you how many different cards you've rated um, for how salty they are. So That's if slick. you would like to, to participate in this new salt score system <laughs> before anybody else gets to, as long as you're listening to this when it releases, uh, go to edhsaltscore.com. And go ahead and start rating cards. And if you find something that breaks, please tell us. Tweet at me or tweet at EDHREC or email me or email EDHREC and tell us what you think about it. Tell us why it makes you happy or sad. If something breaks, please tell us all about that. Um, but for now, just go on there and start voting on cards and how salty they make you. For me, I've voted on about 100 cards so far. And very few of them made me salty um, because these cards are not curated. It is every card that has ever been printed. Okay. Uh, so you are going to get a huge variety of cards 
And who knows, maybe you'll find one that really makes you angry. Maybe you'll find a new card you've never seen before. It's basically pressing the random button over and over again and asking you, well, how angry does this one make you? How angry does this one make you? <laughs> again, that's edhsaltscore.com. And uh, please try it out. Please let us know how it is. Mike. I am. That's really exciting. I'm I'm really. Man, I, I've always kind of liked going to like EDH rec and just kind of like, like I, I like doing the give me a random commander thing be- oh, yeah. because I've built a couple of decks that way. You know, I love the idea of show me a random magic card and frankly, just tell me how you feel about it. This, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll edit this out if you don't like the comparison. I love the idea of, of doing a like EDH Tinder where it's like, yeah. Swipe right, swipe left. How you feel about this card? All right. Well, I don't approve of Tinder, but yes, this is very much like a dating app, except for magic cards. Yeah. I think that's just the coolest thing. That's so that's so exciting. That's thank first of all, thank you for that announcement. That's super of course. Cool. And I'll I'll because this is something where we'll release and it'll be okay for us to release in time, I'll put that link in the show notes as well if you want to click direct. But uh what's that website name? One more time. Of course, that's E D H saltscore.com e-d-h-s-a-l-t-s-c-o-r-e.com and alex if anybody wants to talk to you about what cards should have made it into our group hug power nine or uh the fact that i can't believe i've gotten so many salty cards and now i'm gonna talk to you about it or anything else in the realm of magic how would they find you of course uh you can tweet at me at labramedic on Twitter, that's L A P P E R M E D I C, or you can email me in private at alex at edhrec.com. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, if you've enjoyed any of the cards we've talked about, you can go and pick them up and you can help out the podcast while doing so. If you go to bit.ly slash edh underscore social, that'll take you to our affiliate link with TCG Player. Pick up any of the cards we mentioned, any cards that you look up and decide whether they're salty or not. Play mats, deck boxes, sleeves, everything along those lines. It'll really help us out. Doesn't cost you anything to do so. Also, if you want to talk with us more directly, we've got a Discord. And we're going to have that Discord link in the show notes. Feel free to pop in there. And you know what? Tell us if you had a fun time talking about the Power 9 of Group Hug. Because we cover a lot of stuff on our podcast. There's a lot of Power 9s that we can get to. Oh, yeah. Or if you thought... Do Power 9 of Stacks next and make uh, me pissed off. I, I, will, I will be super happy. The Power 9 of Stacks. I'm super happy to find a guest for you for that show. Um, <laughs> but... Heck, maybe you have a good idea for an episode that you want to throw out there. Uh, this actually came from our Discord. Thanks to everybody in the Discord. You're all wonderful. Hey, everyone. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, friends. Um, Please join us in Discord. It's very friendly in there. We've It's really just us and a few select uh, friends. If you're trying to get in on the bottom floor of our social contract experiments, uh, this would be the way to do it. And we're on there. We, we talk to our listeners all the time. Yep. All eight of them. It's <laughs> all eight of you. Thanks. <laughs> if you got any friends, Thanks. bring them in. Um, but it's a great time in there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at EDH underscore social. You can listen to us here. A thousand of other things. Obviously, you know that because you're already listening to us. But 
We're going to have a bunch of stuff for you in the near future here, including uh, next week we're going to talk about our fan-submitted, listener-submitted. I don't think we can call them fans because they're not fanatics, and that's where it comes mm. from. Our, our, we'll willing, our, our yeah. willing listeners, um, we're going to discuss uh, barely and tolerate us. We're going to discuss a topic as well as reveal the winner of the can you social contract a deck for me? And uh, I've seen a bunch of submissions. I ha- again haven't let Alex know any of them yet, but yeah, I haven't seen any of it. We're gonna we're gonna random we're gonna do the the picker wheel. Uh, I, I, I'll put in well, all of the, let's tell them the, about this, Mike. Let's tell them what this is. Um, yeah. we've had, you got one more week. <laughs> yeah. So please participate. Uh, we have people submitting commanders, correct? Mm-hmm. And those, uh, commanders, the, the winner is going to be chosen at random. It sounds like, and we are going to build a, uh, group hug slash, Stack slash political slash something that has our social contract deck. Yeah. Our spin, exactly. We're going to choose the cards that go into that deck uh, on our show. I would say live, but our show obviously doesn't come out live. But we're not going to come up with a deck list in advance. Hmm. We're uh, we're going to come up with uh, cards on that theme. And, and we're basically going to talk through our making of the deck as we make it. We're going yep. to bicker. We're going to disagree. And we're going to get it down to a hundred cards it's i it, my biggest fear is that this is going to be a seven hour episode because oh no i'm gonna no, put no, no. you and i are gonna put 145 cards into it and then go wait no oh no we have too many oh no we have too many but no, we will have structure to make sure it's not a seven hour episode but we're sure. not gonna cheat we're we're going to we're gonna make our points and make our decisions on the air we're not going to make decisions in advance and think oh yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, since the last time that we talked about this, I, I had mentioned that we had a bunch of submissions that were. This is a very mean commander that I want you to try and turn into a nice one, and this is a commander that has no ability to be nice to anything whatsoever. Show me what you got. Since then, we've gotten a couple more that have been like, "Oh, I haven't made that commander before. That would actually be an interesting." experience to try and sort things out but the premise is is that we're getting more submissions the way that you so uh, the way that you go ahead and try and enter here go ahead and add us on twitter go ahead and come into the discord and let us know or you can go ahead and reach out to us through an email the social contract edh at gmail.com do all three do one of them do a couple of them each one of them i'm going to enter as a separate submission I'll spin the wheel next week while we're getting towards the end of the podcast episode. And uh, that'll give Alex and I a little bit of time. Give us a challenge. And uh, I'm excited. So hope you enjoyed listening. Hope you enjoy the Power Nine group hug, the social contract edition. Hope Hope to hear from you soon for what you want us to build. Talk to you next week. 